Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. We're so excited that you're with us today, and Happy New Year! It's a brand new year, 2023, and I know a lot is going on, but God is on the throne. God is faithful. God is good, and I hope you are truly blessed in this new year. Today, we are going to talk about truth your family needs to know in 2023. That's episode 177, and I don't know if you're like me, but Are you hearing what's being said on social media, in movies, on TV, by politicians, by influencers, and even in some churches? It's a little bit crazy. And I feel like there is this massive attempt right now to brainwash the American people, honestly, many other countries as well. And not just to brainwash people in general, but with a big focus on the young. We are seeing things that we have never seen before. And and nothing is new under the sun. So we know things like this have occurred in other cultures at other times. But in modern day, we just are very overwhelmed, I think, by what we're seeing. And so we need to be able to take God's word. And stand on that truth and teach what is true to our children and speak what is true to the people we love. We can't afford to tickle people's itching ears. Now more than ever, we need to take a stand for biblical reality, especially in our own hearts and in our homes. So today we are going to talk about some of the lies of this age, the things we're bombarded with. And what God's word says. I'm going to start out with one that you might find a little funny. I was talking to a young woman and she was talking about her job and it's, it's a um, job at a university. And the boss says, Hey, don't work too hard. Bring things to do when you're at work so that you can, you know, have some downtime, some rest time. After all, we were not made for 40 hours of work a week. And I immediately thought, oh, golly, you know, of course we weren't made for 40 hours of work a week. God actually created Adam to work from sun up to sundown six days a week and then on the seventh day to rest. Now that goes against everything that American culture, you might even say, whoa, that's a lot of work. Could it go to a lot of time to be at the office? Well, I'm not talking about being in the office. I mean, there's tons of work that doesn't involve a paying job, like taking care of your house, spending time with your family, taking care of the lawn, things like that, serving ministry in your church. There's a lot of places where hard work is a necessity for things to be accomplished. And so... We are made to work hard. God gave Adam the gift of hard work before sin. It was in the Garden of Eden. He gave him a job to take care of the garden, 
to name the animals. Now, of course, in its original state, work did not have all the hassles and things that we have now, but it's a blessing. Hard work is a blessing. The Bible tells us that all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So we know that if we work hard, we'll experience the blessing of God, a profit. It might not always be even a financial profit, but it will definitely be a blessing that meets our needs. And then in Colossians 3, 23 and 25 to 25, it says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Jesus whom you serve, for he does not he for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So basically there's consequences to the work that you do. If you work hard with all your heart as if for the Lord, you're going to receive reward from God. Now, if you've been a Christian a long time, you know that God doesn't always do rewards and punishments in our timing or, or quickly. And sometimes things take a while in coming. But we have this word that we know that is true, that God cares about hard work. He rewards hard work that's done for him, not hard work that's ruthless and just railroads over people. But God is concerned with our hard work and hard work. You know, my grandmother would always say that hard work keeps us out of trouble. And that is still true today. One of the things you see in our culture, I think part of the reason we have all these lies bombarding us right now is that people have so much. We're so blessed financially and we have a lot of free time and a lot of downtime. I love when I hear socialist college students sitting around talking about sticking it to the man and how good socialism is when, you know, they're holding their thousands of dollars, cell phones and uh, laptops and tablets that their parents have worked hard to provide for them. It's just kind of funny to me. But it isn't funny that the lies are out there because we may, we may look at these young people who are being deceived and who are doing foolish things. And we may think, oh my goodness, you know, that why are they doing this? Their hearts are so bad, but honestly, they're, they're being deceived. And the, the fruit of all these things that they're indulging in is very bad fruit. And it's very sad. And we need to have compul- compassion enough that we speak out. So another thing I'm going to address, I'm going to, I address the thing like try to get out of hard work if you can. The next one is follow your heart. Every secular movie that I have watched lately has this theme, follow your heart. It's all about you being happy. And (laughs) even some Christian ones are like that. And I'm always like, wow, how did we get to this place? What about do the right thing? Do your duty to God and man. It's gone. It's just all about following your heart. And what does the Bible tell us about our heart? Jeremiah 79 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So 
that tells me that following our heart is probably a dangerous thing and not a good thing. And we know from the word of God that when we put Jesus first, this is from Matthew 5 through 7 talks all about this. When we put Jesus first, when we look to him, he will meet all of our needs. He will take care of us. He will bless us. And that it's an upside down kingdom. And we give to receive. It's just so amazing how much we not only are bombarded with things that are not true, but they're the opposite of true. So calling evil good and good evil. So following our heart, no, not a good thing. Living to be happy, no, not a good thing. Living to do the will of God, a good thing. Will living to honor God, a good thing. Um, another one, this is so big right now. I, um, I just have to bring it up. How many sexes are there? And is it just men and women, a man, a woman, or are there a bunch of other sexes? And can you define a man or a woman? Yes, it's very easily scientifically to define a man, very easy scientifically to define a woman. It has to do with those little X and Y chromosomes. But I always thought it was a little humorous that God said male and female, he made them. I just thought, well, why does he say that in the word? Of course, male and female, you know, that's never going to be a question. And here I am at the age of 60 looking around and it's a question. It's a question. Is it just male and female? So let me take you back to Genesis 1 verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So God created male, God created female. And just because someone wants to be something else or even believes they are something else doesn't change what God created. And interesting, after God created the man and the woman, he said, it is very good. So the two sexes of humankind is very good. It's from the heart of God. It's a blessing. And a man and a woman are able to come together in marriage. And they are able to subdue the earth. They are able to fill the earth, to reproduce, to be a blessing to all of the animals on the earth, to rule in a way that is good. And so when you're confronted with all these different pronouns and all of these different things that people believe they are, you have to go back to the word of God. Do we value people and listen to their feelings? Yes, we do. We value people and we care about them. But it's not loving to tell someone that 
something is true when you know it's not true. When you know something is a lie, we need to very gently expose that lie. And so I just really want to encourage you. Yes, there are two sexes, male and female. God created them way back at creation in the Garden of Eden. And it is still true today. Another thing that is really being talked about and really we are bombarded with in our culture in 2023 is what is okay sexually, you know, is anything goes. I'm even hearing about people instead of calling someone who abuses children sexually a pedophile, they're saying that he's a minor attracted person. Now, are we really going to go there? Are we really going to say that's okay? But that is where we have just, you know, we start in the very beginning, maybe back in the 60s. It's okay to have sex outside marriage. And we begin to go downward from that place. But what is God's view of sex? He says this, marriage, and that is marriage between a man and a woman, should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So anything outside of sex inside marriage, anything different than that, God calls a sin and it says that he will judge that sin. And I bring that up because that is a really bad word in 2023 to say the word sin or the word repent. It's, you don't even hear it in many churches. You don't even hear those words. But the truth is there's still a right and a wrong. And there is still things that are against God's will are still sin. And so we need to be able to speak that, to teach that to our children. We need to be able, if you're a teenager, you need to know that in your spirit because you're going to be told by all kinds of people that all of the things the word says is a lie. But we know when we stand before God, when there is a judgment, we are not going to be judged by what the world says. We're going to be judged by the truth that we find in the word of God. And that leads me to my next question. The question that rages out there is, is there a right and wrong? Well, this is right for me, but not right for you. Or this is right for you, but it's not right for me. And so is everyone the master of their own morality? Is everyone able to say what's right and wrong? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, if the Bible says something is bad, it's bad. And if you call something the Bible says bad, if you good, if you call it good, Wow, that's a problem. And there is there are consequences for doing that. In Proverbs fourteen twelve it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. In other words, you can believe with all your heart if so, that something is right. But if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And that belief will lead to destruction. And so why not line up? 
your belief system with the word of God. Finally, in 2 Timothy 3.16, and I know you know the scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Other versions say all scripture is God-breathed. Now, scripture is where we find out what's right and what's wrong. It can teach us, it can reprove us, it can correct us, and it can train us to do what is right and avoid what is wrong. Another thing that I'm watching with horror is this push to bring division between brown races and white races. And we talk so much about race in a way that is divisive, that divides us from one another. And with our history and with our past of different folks in bringing people into bondage and slavery, I think we should be working more toward what is good and what is right, which is unity. And I also have to ask myself, does the Bible even teach about different races? And surprisingly, it doesn't. Do you know that we are all descendants of Adam? And even more so, we're all descendants of Noah. When God destroyed the world in a flood, the survivors were Noah and his children. We all go back to Noah. So there is one human race but God teaches about many nations. When in Revelation 7, 9, you see this beautiful picture of every tribe and tongue around the throne, that many different cultures, many different people groups, and that is what the Bible teaches about. So it doesn't teach about, um, you know, this the, the brown race or the black race. The Bible teaches about cultures, like maybe your culture is Puerto Rican, maybe your culture is Brazilian or Italian or Egyptian. That is what the Bible teaches about. And when we begin to take something so arbitrary and so huge as the color of our skin to make these statements, these judgments, it's just very silly and it's very scary because that isn't what is true. What is true is that we're one human race, we're descendants of Noah, and the color of our skin doesn't play into what God teaches about, and that's tribes and tongues. So he teaches about languages, he teaches about cultures. Um, people groups. And we need to get back to that because there is so much destruction when we single out um, a group by color of skin or color of hair or something like that and just say, all these people with blue eyes are bad. Where, where do we, that only leads to destruction. And we've seen in our history, people like Hitler who did that, it led to so much destruction. Another question that I hear a lot from people is, is Western culture worth saving? And of course, the woke answer is no. Let's destroy Western culture and with it, the Bible and with it, capitalism and with it, all these things that have brought 
prosperity to many nations. So let's talk a minute about Western culture. Western culture is a combination of Jewish, Christian, and pagan cultures. Um, if we go back in time um, to the roots of Western culture, it would be the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, the Jewish um, culture, especially found in the New Test Old Testament, and the Christian culture, especially found in early Christian history and in the New Testament. Now, what we have is this combination of things that God approves of and things that God does not approve of. Um, we see in the Roman culture, the ancient Roman culture, a very ruthlessness. Yes, there was the Pax Romana or peace, but there was a ruthlessness in ex extending the a kingdom of Rome to the ends of the earth in a way that was thrust upon people. And we the main thing that was valued in Roman culture was the ability to persuade, to speak powerfully, and to lead an army powerfully. So power was very much esteemed in the Roman, in the ancient Roman culture. In the ancient Greek culture, we have this aspiration about beauty and about goodness and, and truth. Not necessarily biblical truth, but kind of truth with um, little uh, exclamation points on each side. Truth, you know, whatever you define, whatever the Greeks were defining as truth. But in their quest and love of beauty and all things lovely, they indulged in some, you know, pretty unlovely behavior. And the Greeks were definitely not virtuous, the ancient Greeks. And so we go to the Jewish culture and we see that the Jewish culture in found in scripture is very, very obedient to the law of the Lord. Uh, the Ten Commandments, um, they have had such an influence in Western culture, especially in our justice system. And you see a lot of government wisdom in the way that you see the nation of Israel divided by tribes who were led by the elders. And you see just a lot of things that have been adapted throughout time into our Western culture. And finally, from Christianity, you see the mercy, the grace, the love of Jesus, this Savior who came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could live forever with him. And this is amazing. And so all these things are wedded together. So when you're talking about Western culture, you're talking about the Aeneid, you're talking about the Iliad and the Odyssey, which are full of sexual immorality, by the way. And you're also talking about the Old and New Testament. You're talking about the works of the early church fathers and things like Josephus. So we just have this broad spectrum of what is Western culture. So Western culture has both good things in it and bad things in it. Um, like other cultures throughout history, Western culture has allowed slavery, horrible things, and yet virtuous and good things. It's just a combination of both. It isn't a perfect culture. 
It isn't the most horrible culture that's ever existed. So do I think Western culture is worth saving? I do, especially the parts of it that are Christian, that go back um, to our Jewish heritage or the Old Testament. And so I love Western culture, but it isn't perfect. And we have to be careful as we're talking about Western culture. The only perfect person is Jesus, and the only perfect culture is the kingdom of God. So I just say that it's definitely a discussion that we need to have. Definitely, we don't want to throw away the baby with the bathwater. And I think we have a history of tweaking things, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, for the good. When we got rid of slavery, that was good. But it's definitely something that is part of our heritage and as something part of our heritage we need to remember what it truly is and that's part of our history we need to learn the truth not rewrite history and make it different and then I move on to my next thing does God even care about sin I mentioned earlier that people don't want to hear about sin they don't want to hear the word repent They don't understand God's forgiveness because they don't understand sin and repentance. And we repent and believe. We receive forgiveness when we repent. To repent means to say what I did, my behavior was bad. And what we we want to change that to in our culture is what you do is okay. You know, it wasn't your fault. You're a victim and victims sometimes do things they shouldn't. Well, that's true. We are all victims of sin, but we're all victimizers as well. We all sin and our sin hurts other people. And we need to come to a holy God and say, God, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And will you give me a brand new heart? You see, the sin of every man and woman and child will be punished. Our sin will be punished in hell or on the cross where Jesus died. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Even if people haven't read the Bible, they are without excuse. And that's from Romans 1. Um, If you're needing the show notes with the scriptures, this is episode 177, Truth Your Family Needs to Know in 2023. And I want to end with this, that God does care about sin. And that's why he punished sin on the cross in Jesus. Jesus took on our sin for himself and God's wrath was poured out against him. And when we repent and believe, Jesus comes into our hearts. We are born again. We are new creatures. And if we're truly born again, we will live a holy life. And it will be characterized by good deeds, good works, though sometimes we will sin and we will be able to confess our sins and receive God's forgiveness. And if you want to understand more of that, read First John 1. So how can you 
Swim against the evil tide of our culture with your children. Teenagers, how can you swim against the evil tide of our culture? I'm just going to give you a couple of really brief things that encompass years of walking out. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay. Number one, abide and surrender daily to the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15 talks talks about abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. Number two, memorize scripture. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says that I have hidden my, I have hidden the word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And that, that is so important because God has given us the word of God. And when we memorize it and meditate on it and read it and study it, it transforms the way we think it transforms the way we speak it transforms the way we live it helps us recognize what is good and what is evil number three worship and prayer i love this acronym acts adoration which is like singing to god telling him how wonderful he is confess confession confessing our sins of thought word and deed Thanking God, thanksgiving, and supplication, praying for ourselves and other people. Number four, live a holy life. First Thessalonians 4 says, it is God's will that you should be holy. It's so much easier to live a holy life in the power of God. And that's why I started with John 15, abiding in Christ and letting the fruit of righteousness fill our life. Number five, share the gospel. God loves mankind, fallen mankind who desperately needs to be rescued. Share the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Speak out. Number six, speak out. Rescue those who are being led away from death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. Sex trafficking, abortion, sin of all kinds. Speak out, share the gospel rescue young women who are considering abortion. Tell them where they can go for help. Help rescue people who are caught up in sex trafficking. There are There's so much going on in our culture, and we have to speak out. We cannot remain silent in this day and age. And so, wow, this is pretty heavy way to enter 2023. But I believe that like Esther, We were born for such a time as this. You are not too weak because a mighty God lives in you and he can fill you to overflowing and you can speak out. You can proclaim truth. You can proclaim the gospel. You can be filled with Jesus love and joy and peace because the world desperately needs to see Christians in love with Jesus Christians who know what is true, 
Christians living a holy life. And that's you, teenager. That's you, mom and dad. It is not too difficult because nothing is too difficult for God. And God's grace has all that we need to be a light in a very dark world in this year. God bless you and Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.